0: Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Savior Jesus Christ. Dear Christian friends, who here likes to fail? I don't see anybody, right? Because the funny part is, no matter how like, relaxed and laid back and carefree and take it as, you com- take it, as it comes you are, Nobody really likes to fail, right? We all have some, some perfectionist tendencies, perfectionist desires, whether it's like across the board, I'm, I'm super type A and it has to be done this way, or whether it's just with certain things. No, that's not how you do it. That's not how it should be done. No, that's, that's not what i meant to do. Nobody really likes to fail, right? We like to, we like to win. We like to succeed. We like to do well in life in general, but it's in pretty much all the specific things in life as well. And let's be honest, we kind of like it when people notice, right? And they go, wow, good job. They admire our success. They, they praise our abilities. We don't like to fail, not only because it, it's a, a, a hit to our ego, but also because, well, people notice not just when we do well, but even when we fail, maybe especially when we fail. But the sad reality is, Nobody likes it, but we do it. We all fail, right? And maybe you feel like you're failing at being a mom or a dad, that there's more you could be doing. You could be doing so much better. Maybe you should be doing so much better. Maybe you feel like you're failing at relationships, whether they're in marriage or romantic or, or just friendship, that, yeah, I just say the wrong things all the time and it just it really hurts the relationship or or you have unrealistic expectations and and it really kills the relationship. Maybe you feel like you fail at money that you can never get ahead right you're always just scraping by and and it's just so hard to save and to catch up. Maybe you feel like you fail at at time that there's just never enough of it. And and even when there there is some, you feel like, I just didn't use that well or wisely. What about when you fail God? Because I I think we've all heard enough of what God says in his word that, that we know God has expectations, right? We know there are some things that God is very, very clear about and he says, don't do this. What about when you do? What about when you talk like that, act like that, think like that? What about when you don't do the things that God says to do? What about when you, you fail to show mercy because, let's be honest, you just don't really care? What about when, when someone hurts you and sins against you, and they come and apologize, and instead of, of giving them forgiveness and the, this gift of the burden relieved and released, instead you, you heap guilt on them, and guilt and guilt. And what? Because fool me once, shame on you. Me. Fool me, no, you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times. Well, then, you're not gonna fool me three times because we're never gonna get there, are we? And so you kind of wonder what would happen if, if God treated us that way. I'll, I'll put up with a failure. I'll even give you a second chance. Right? We're a world of nation of second chances. But pff, man, you keep failing like you have been. You've turned out to be a pretty bad investment. I, why would God keep pouring time and love and forgiveness and mercy and grace and blessings on me when I just fail and fail and fail and fail? Because our human minds think, boy, at some point he's going to want some, some return on investment and I'm, I'm not sure I'm giving him a whole lot. And that can be a really scary thought, can it? That... When I fail, what does that mean for me and and God? This morning, we're going to take a look at some Bible verses that help us understand two things specifically. They help us understand why we fail. And they help us understand why we don't need to be afraid, why we don't need to be frightened of God when we fail. What's really amazing to me is that these are written by a man named Paul. Paul. You've probably heard of him if you've been here in worship before. Paul was a man who was one of God's chosen messengers way back at the beginning of the Christian church. And God sent him out to take his message to all of these far-flung places in the, the ancient world. Paul was called to faith by Jesus himself and sent out by God himself. Like when I think of Paul, I think of like the the social media version of Paul, right? Like the, wow, everything he did was just amazing and incredible and impressive, right? I think of Paul who, who was never afraid to stand up and share his faith. Even before a Roman governor, even before a powerful king, he even appealed because he wanted to go and tell Caesar himself, the most powerful man in the world at the time, about Jesus. I think of, God, uh, of Paul, who, who everything he did was centered around Jesus and sharing the message of Christ and him crucified, who traveled and, and slept and ate and went everywhere and everything was all focused on, on making Christ known. I think of Paul, who was whipped and beaten and stoned because he just would not stop. He wasn't going to be bullied or stopped from telling about Jesus until he finally was, was killed for his faith and his message. Maybe you're like me and that's kind of the, the Paul that you think of as well. But, but this morning we're going to hear Paul, the same guy, be raw and, and very real with us as he makes it clear that the same things you struggle with, he struggled with. The same things he felt in his heart, the same failures he experienced in his life, even in sharing his faith, that's what we know as well. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 7, beginning at verse 15. Paul writes, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I don't know about you, but the beginning of these verses, right? They almost sound like a little Dr. Seuss thing, right? Kind of like a a riddle or a rhyme, right? He starts out For what I want to do, I do not do. But please don't miss, Paul is not trying to make light. He's not trying to be silly. In fact, what he's doing is addressing a very, very serious reality. He's talking about the struggle. And it's real. And it's the struggle that's going on in your heart, in my heart, and in Paul's heart. Because as Christians, we know what God says to do, right? And as Christians, we want to live for our king. We want to, to serve him to do what he says, right? That's why, that's why Paul says, in my inner being, I delight in God's law. We want to do what God says because in God's, in God's law, he lays out how he wants us to live. He guides us through life and he makes promises, right? When you live the way I lay out, you'll, you'll spare yourself. You'll be spared from a lot of heartache, and stress, and worry, and guilt. Not all of it. Because you still live in a sinful world, but, but man, you'll, you'll save yourself some difficulty. But not, that's not the only reason. Even more so, we listen to God's law. We want to live for God's law because we want to live for the God who loves me. The God who gave himself for me. The God who made me. The God who blesses me with all these things. And that's why... We want God's law. Even when we fail. Even when we, we veer off course. Even when we take some missteps. Even when we don't live up to the, to the standard God has for us. We want to see those so that we recognize where we failed, why we failed, and we try not to fail. We work at not failing in the future. Right. That's why, that's why Paul says, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree... The law is good. So let me ask, if we know what God says and we have the desire, the motivation to live for God, why do we fail? You know the goal, you're motivated towards that goal, and yet, we fail. In fact, why do we fail so, so often? Well, there are some that call themselves Christians that did back in Paul's day that still do today that would say, well, you fail because you're not a real Christian. Or they would tell you that you fail because you just don't have a strong enough faith. That sadly misses the point by a lot. That is really not at all the case. In fact, it has nothing to do with your faith. It has everything else to do, it has everything to do with something else And here's the reality that Paul's going to explain. It's our first takeaway this morning. It's that when I fail, it doesn't mean I'm less of a Christian. It means that I am human. You fail not because your faith wasn't strong enough, not because you didn't have faith, not because you're not a Christian, but because you are a human being. And so those charges of, of not being Christian enough, not having a strong enough faith, Paul wipes them out, doesn't he? Look at what he says. He says, I have the desire to do what's good, but I cannot carry it out. The motivation is right. So why do I fail? Why did Paul fail, right? If, if, if it's all about have, not having enough faith, well, well, here's the guy who is the greatest messenger for Jesus who ever lived, who says, I'm in the same boat. Are you saying he didn't have faith? He wasn't really a Christian? No, that's, the problem isn't faith. The problem is something else. He says in verse 17, As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. See, Paul's saying it's not about faith, it's about sin. And it's sin that that we're all born with. We don't like to think of that a whole lot, but it's a reality. That two sinful people, imperfect people, have a child. That child is not born into this world perfect, much as those parents might like to think so. That child is born into this world with the same imperfections that parents had. The same sin, right? The Bible makes that very clear in Psalm 51. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. From the very beginning of life, I've had sin living in me, and I'm sinful. But when God brought me to faith, when his, he sent his Holy Spirit to work through the power of the Word of God to bring me to faith, and for For many of us, that was connected to water in the sacrament of baptism. And God created faith in your hearts, faith that trusts in him, faith that trusts in Jesus. Well, the Holy Spirit actually also lived inside of you. He still does. He took up residence in your heart. So we've got these polar opposites, this dichotomy, these these immortal enemies living in each, every single Christian. We've got God living in me by faith, and we've got this part of me that well, doesn't want to do what God wants, wants the opposite of what God wants, wants to sin, wants to live for myself, wants to live for whatever I want for and not what God says. And so we've got this struggle going on within us of I want to live by faith, and I also really don't want to live by faith. And there's this tension, right, which helps us understand why, as a Christian, why do I do those things? Why do I say those words? And I go, oh, why did I do that? As soon as they come out of our mouths, we go, oh, I know that was not only dumb, but it was wrong. Why do I fail and fail and fail? Well, here's why. Because we have sin living in us, right? Right? And that's why Paul says in verse 21, so I find this law at work. It's, he's not talking about God's law. He's talking about a principle, a rule. I find this law, this rule at work. With, at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. That's a true statement, isn't it? Because we get into a situation, we go, well, I know, what I, sh- I know what I should do here. I know what I'm supposed to do here. I know what the right thing to do here. But this is so much easier. This is going to be so much less work. This is going to be so much less uncomfortable. So much less pain. I'd just rather go that way. And we've got this, right, the the struggle, the internal struggle. That brings us to our second takeaway this morning. That my sinful nature is always fighting for me to fail to fail in my life living for God. It's the part of us that's broken and always is looking for temptation. It wants us to give in. Ooh, look at that. It's shiny. Ooh, look at that. It's wrong. But that's okay because you'll like it. It's always trying to manipulate our motivation so that even when we do the right thing, we do it for a selfish reason. We have this sinful part of us, this broken part of us, And that's why when we do something that's wrong and we go, oh, why did I do that? I'll never do it again. (laughs) Yeah, that's not true either, is it? We'd like to say I'm never going to do that again, but we find ourselves being tempted by that very thing again and again and again. That's why Paul says, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. See, each one of us struggles with this sinful addiction, this sinful addiction that is a constant struggle in our lives, in our hearts, to live for God. But it helps us understand why we sin, right? Why we fail. Because Paul says it's not just like this this little piece of you that's sinful and the whole rest is like good. It's this part of us that corrupts all of us, right? He... He said in verse 23, I see another law, a rule, at work. It's waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. See, there's not just a tiny piece of us that's inherently opposed to God, that it corrupts our whole being. That's why your mind wanders and you go, wow, how did I end up there? It's why... Your eyes and ears tune into a screen that so easily leads you into lust, into envy, into hate. It's why our, our ears listen to vulgarity and gossip and our lips so quickly join in. It's why we take a, take a look at our, our stuff, check our bank accounts, measure up what we have, what we don't have, And we either do it out of pride or greed or out of worry and fear or out of jealousy and comparison. Our minds, our eyes, our ears, our hands, our feet, you know how often yours leads you into temptation, into sin, into failing to live for God. It's a constant battle we fight, and, and that's why we fail. And maybe now you're getting to the point where you're like, holy cats, this is, why bother? I mean, I, I know how often I fail. And this sounds like it's an, just an endless and a hopeless struggle that, that I'm even fighting not just against an external enemy, but against an internal one. And the enemy is not going to give up. Why? Why fight it? Why struggle? Why, why keep trying? Why have hope? It almost sounds like Paul got to that point, didn't it? In our, our verses from Romans 7. It almost sounded like he got there as well, where, where he got to the point where it just felt hopeless. What a wretched man I am. Seems kind of seems like a lost cause. But then he he gets to the point where it reminds us why in spite of ourselves, in spite of our our hopelessness, we have hope. It's Jesus. Because for every single time we have failed, Jesus did not. It's amazing that that our Savior came here and he lived a life that is 100% perfect. He never, ever once failed. Never once at living perfectly for God. He never once said a cross word or had a, had a wicked thought or a selfish desire. He lived perfectly. And there's a reason he did that. It's our next takeaway. That Jesus' life and his death wipe away all of my failures. Because Jesus didn't just live perfectly for himself, he lived perfectly so that he could give his life to be the payment that wipes our record clean. He gave his life to wash away our sins. What an amazing thing that that Jesus would, would live perfectly and then he would take the criminal record, so to speak, the record of failures and sins of every single person. And on the cross, he would bear the sentence, the punishment for them all. And while it may have seemed like he failed in that effort when he died, we know that he didn't. He proved that he conquered sin and he conquered the sting of sin, right? Death. Because he rose from the dead and he proved that neither death nor its power, sin, have any authority, any power over him. He has defeated them. He has conquered them once for all. And that's our hope. That's why we don't need to be afraid to be frightened when we fail. It's why Paul ends this section with hope. And with hope by pointing us to Jesus, right? After it seemed like it was all hopeless, look what he says. Who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death? It's the result of sin, right? Thanks be to God who delivers me Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, every day we're going to be tempted to fail. To fail to live for God, to fail to love the way that God wants us to love, the way that he loves us. To fail to love other people the way that God wants us to, the way that he loves. And here's the reality. I will fail, but Jesus forgives Jesus lived and Jesus died and Jesus rose to pay for all of my failures so that I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to be afraid or frightened of God. I don't need to be frightened when I fail. I don't try to fail, but when I do, I I bring it back to Jesus. I say, Lord, you, you wiped my record clean of all the rest. Take this one too. And he does. And that's why we look forward to the day when we get to live failure-free, right? In this eternal perfection with God. But until then, well, we're going to fail. You are, I am, today, tomorrow. We're going to fail at, at being the perfect spouse, the perfect parent, the perfect child. We're going to fail at being the perfect student. We're going to fail at being the perfect employee. We're going to fail at being the perfect driver. A lot of people fail at that. <laughs> we're going to fail. When we fail, though, we've got a place to go. And it's not, too, it's not into a shell because we're afraid. It's not to go hide under a mountain of guilt because I failed again. It's to the cross where Jesus' perfection wipes us clean. And that's the beauty of it, right? Because then I get to live boldly for my God, unafraid that, ah, oh, I did it again and maybe I shouldn't even try next time. No, no, try. Live Fight the good fight. Struggle. Share your faith. Live for Him. Be bold. Be confident. Be courageous because of God. And that's the beauty. That's our last takeaway this morning that my failures are not what define me. God's love is what defines you and what defines me. You might be a sinful person, but you're a sinful person that Jesus died to forgive. And that's why we don't need to be afraid. God bless your efforts this week and every week living boldly for your God at not carrying guilt around with you but taking it to him and knowing it is forgiven. Amen.